0: Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater.
1: And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. We are kicking it off today with the Sunday night, the Monday night recaps, and the Waiver Wire Report. The week four recap closing off in today's episode. Hopefully, you guys were all success. Hopefully, the Monday Night Game brought you what you needed in order to win your matchups as you continue to listen to this show on your way to the playoffs and on your way ultimately to a championship. And of course, it all starts with the waiver wire, which we'll get into at the back half of this episode. So we know exactly what diamonds in the rough to look out for as we have teams getting on by. We have injuries to look out for. So there's some value there, but not going to be a particularly long waiver wire segment because there's not a ton of value that is widely available on average across all platforms, and we're going to get into that at the end of the show. First off, we got the Sunday Night Recap and the Monday Night Recap games, both of them interesting games in different ways, and we're going to talk about and analyze what you need coming out of those matchups, too. Remember, going into this week, we'll be back on Thursday and Friday for the preview episodes, but leading up until that point, there's going to be a lot of key guys we have to watch in the injury reports. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFShow for all those player news update notifications, and make sure you're contacting me on Twitter and or on Facebook or on the website through email, Facebook at MDFFShow, and on the on the website www.mdffshow.com. You can send me direct email straight from there. I promise you I will always get back to you and answer whenever you get a hold of me. But keep in mind that if you do contact me with a question, I will select a handful to talk about and shout out on the show on Thursday and on Friday. So it's a nice little way to get your name mentioned on the podcast here where everyone loves fantasy football and we're all trying to win the ultimate goal of the championship game. So Make sure you keep using me as your tool in order to accomplish your mission for the 2019 season. We got a shorter episode than usual today, best because it's a Tuesday episode usually. It is a little bit on the shorter side, so we'll be able to get right through it with no issues. And we're going to go ahead and hit that break, come back on the other side with the Sunday night recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics, Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Another primetime game, another sour disappointment of a game. I thought we were going to have some good action. No, I didn't think it was going to turn into the Tampa Bay Buccaneer Rams game from earlier in the day. But I did think there was a chance it was going to be a pretty good scoring, competitive, highly entertaining game. And it simply was not. My goodness. 12-10? to Are you kidding me? Both defenses showing up to play in this one. Both offenses simply not looking sharp all throughout the day. And for fantasy purposes, it was a brutal, brutal game for quite a few fantasy members. Now, if you're on the Cowboys and you had Dak Prescott, you are sourly disappointed after that game. Look, the New Orleans Saints, we all know they have a decent defense at times. They have Marshawn Lattimore. They have a good defensive front. But the slot in the backside corners are people who should be able to be taken advantage of. And that is why you brought in Randall Cobb, was to add some emphasis to that slot receiver position and didn't matter. Didn't help At all, And they weren't able to get going in this one. Dak Prescott didn't look very sharp, looked uncomfortable. They got pressure on him constantly in this game. And then, of course, the other thing the Saints do very well is stop the run. Ezekiel Elliott, 18 carries, only 35 yards. Now, he does get the touchdown at the end of the game, so he's able to salvage his fantasy day to some degree. But it's still quite disappointing to watch your fantasy studs up until this point lay a dud of a game in which you thought would have more higher scoring opportunities than it did. Jason Witten continues to be somewhat effective. Four catches, 50 yards on four targets. I am still not picking up Jason Witten for my fantasy purposes. I know a lot of people are going to want to do that. Don't save yourself the trouble. He's not a high volume guy. He's not a guy who gets you gives you an opportunity to get into the end zone any given week. You're never going to know when to play him. You would purely be picking him up on his name value alone, which if you actually look at the actual player, it's not anything you should be worried about anyway. For Amari Cooper, though, five catches, 48 yards, eight targets in this one. He drew a tough matchup against Marshawn Lattimore. That's essentially what it came down to. There's better days ahead for Amari Cooper. Look, sometimes you just have games like this. When it, when you have Dak and you have Cooper, you just chalk it up. Look, the Cowboys' offense as a whole has looked pretty good up until this game. They're going to continue to have better matchups. They're going to continue to play it well. And when Michael Gallup gets back, I do think that helps boost the value quite a bit to Dak Prescott. Now, maybe it takes away some volume from Amari Cooper, but it does take away some attention from him as well to continue to let him be efficient. Look, until today... Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper have been everything that you've wanted them to be and more, so you're not going to panic on them in this situation. But what you do take out of this game is that you know that Randall Cobb is not somebody who is fantasy worthy. He's not. He's not going to be able to take it in this matchup where you should have had a mismatch and with an offense struggling, they should have been able to go to him to try to spark something. He was almost non-existent with his three catches for 41 yards. Devin Smith was nowhere to be found. There was no other wide receiver really outside of that. Amari Cooper, and then when Michael Gallup gives him back, he has some value as well, but nobody else in the Cowboys are worth a fantasy stash. On the Saints' side of the ball, it was also equally disappointing. Terry Bridgewater wasn't particularly good. He had a high completion percentage because he was 23 of 30, but only 193 yards, no touchdowns, a pick. Michael Thomas went for nine catches and 95 yards. So you're fine with that productive production. It's It wasn't a huge game, but you didn't expect it to be against Dallas, who does have a good defense. The fact is, Teddy Bridgewater has shown now the last two weeks in a row that he can at least get the ball to Michael Thomas at a high-volume rate. And at the end of the day, that's all you really care about. As long as Michael Thomas is getting fed at his normal volume, you will live with what comes next you will live with him maybe not going for 100 yards and a touchdown every game or having huge outputs until Drew Brees comes back and we know that we're just you know maybe a month away from that happening so Teddy Bridgewater is good enough to be able to hold down the fort for Michael Thomas for you obviously he is a popular buy low candidate right now because his ceiling is cut down but as long as his floor is still there, as long as he's not costing you games, if I'm a Michael Thomas owner, unless I'm blown away by the trade offer, I'm going to try to hold Pat. Alvin Kamara in this one wasn't as great as last week, but sometimes that happens. In a low-scoring game where they didn't have to necessarily throw the ball a ton to him, his ceiling gets cut in those matchups as well. But what you do take out of this game is Latavius Murray continues to be squarely a backup running back, and nothing more. He's not out there in a platoon or a significant role situation as long as Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback. Now, when Drew Brees comes back, Latavius Murray might get some of his value back. But for now, this is what you do with Latavius Murray.
0: Prepare to be flushed.
1: That's right. You send him down the flush town. Look, When it comes to Latavius Murray, a lot of people probably already did drop him, and if you're an Alvin Kamara owner, I can understand if you have the roster spot wanting to keep him on your bench in case something were to happen to Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin Kamara hasn't had an injury history, and he does a very good job of not taking big hits, so if there was ever a big-time running back that I would feel okay about not having to handcuff, it would be Kamara. Latavius Murray is a good running back, though, and if he gets the opportunity, he can be effective. But it's clear that as long as Teddy Bridgewater is the starter, they want to keep Alvin Kamara out there as much as humanly possible because they want to keep giving him the best weapons as much as they can. Now, technically, technically, Latavius Murray actually got the start in this one because he came out for the first play of the game and they gave him the ball. That was pretty much it. He only had four carries for 14 yards in this one. He had one catch for six yards. While Alvin Kamara had 17 carries for 69 yards, three receptions, 20 yards, 20 touches in all. Usually in a game in which Alvin Kamara gets 20 touches, you're gonna to do okay. It was a tough matchup. He didn't get as involved in the passing game in this one. That'll change moving forward. Uh not gonna worry about anything there. And that's all you really need to care about. Jared Cook once again was neither here nor there. And Jared Cook to me, you can also he can follow suit with Latavius Murray. And once again, we have another prepare to be flushed. People have been wanting to hold out hope for Jared Cook because of the name, because it's the Saints and their history with Jimmy Graham, the tight end. The fact is, he was one of my best guys for a reason coming into the season. I said with Jared Cook, he is somebody who's been a journeyman his entire career. He's always had the athletic ability, but in a situation in which he had to be the focal point of the offense, then and only then did he live up to his expectations. And even in that capacity, he still wasn't consistent with the Raiders. And now he's gone through what's been four games so far with the Saints. Even with the two with Drew Brees, he has been a non Factor. Now, could he possibly rebound when Drew Brees comes back? Perhaps. But that's still another month away. And as long as Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, I'm not counting on Jared Cook being fantasy relevant anytime soon or be somebody who I'm ever going to feel good about putting in my lineups. He nothing but a bottom floor feeder at this point. You have to go ahead and move on from Jared Cook if you are still holding out hope. Have to. That pretty much wraps up for the Sunday Night Recap. There's not a ton to go over there. As far as those two teams go, being such good teams, they only have a few guys who are actually fantasy relevant to actually lean on. So there's not a lot of analysis to go around for that one. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the Monday Night Football Recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. We have the Monday night game, the recap here, and what an interesting game it was for the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. The Cincinnati Bengals were thoroughly dominated on both sides of the ball, and we'll start off with them just because the synopsis is going to be pretty quick. Look, Andy Dalton is a streaming quarterback in plus matchups. This wasn't a game in which I told you guys to stream Andy Dalton, so hopefully none of you did. But next week when he plays Arizona, you can go right back to it. I'm not worried about their performance. They got dominated on primetime football. What else is new for the Cincinnati Bengals and for Andy Dalton? That's why I I picked up Pittsburgh Steelers defense as a streamer option this week and told you guys all as such leading up into the week. There are certain situations where you just don't play guys. Dalton goes back to being a streaming-worthy quarterback starting next week against Arizona in a very plus matchup where they should have extra targets, and it should be a competitive game for all four quarters because both teams are equally bad right now. And I'm not going to worry about it. Look, we have to figure out what's going on with John Ross as he got a little bit banged up in this game, came down on the shoulder injury, so it's not a concussion. That's the good news. We have to see what details come out later on on Tuesday and on Wednesday to see exactly what that injury is going to be. That will play a role, but you know that Andy Dalton's going to have volume moving forward and in better matchups, he can continue to be a streaming quarterback. This was his first bad game of the year, so I'm not going to panic on him moving forward. I'm not taking much out of this game. For Joe Mixon, I was fine with it. Look, this wasn't going to be a great matchup. We knew the Bengals were probably going to have to come back from behind at some point. The only thing you would like to see is Joe Mixon be a little more productive in the passing game. He only had four catches for one yard on five targets. He's got to get more efficiency there in order to compact his rushing ability because otherwise he's somebody right now, because the offensive line is so bad, because they're so going to be so matchup dependent in their success, he is somebody who has a pretty low floor in tougher games. And being that he's a guy that you draft, to be your lower end RB1 or a high end RB2. I don't know how often Joe Mixon is going to be able to live up to those expectations when it's not a plus matchup. Now, next week against Arizona, it might be a whole different story. We'll get into that in the preview. But in certain games like this where it's going to be competitive or the other team should definitely be favored to win, I don't know how well Joe Mixon is going to do unless he can get going in the passing game. We'll see what happens. But as far as Mixon's health goes, the way he looks, he looked completely fine. So I'm not worried about it there. I'm just worried about that offense in general, especially if they're going to continue to not have A.J. Green moving forward. Next up here we got to talk about is Tyler Boyd. This was a disappointing game. I thought the slot receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals against the Pittsburgh Steelers would have a better time, a bit more productive game um, <clears throat> in this one because of, you know, they play the base formations. They usually play with the linebackers even against three receiver sets. I thought Tyler Boyd, at least for PPR purposes, would have a better week, but the Again, the Bengals were just thoroughly dominated. He's still somebody who can be a flex wide receiver for you, especially in PPR leagues, a solid wide receiver three. My thoughts on him have not changed. With John Ross, this was another game where I wasn't going to play him in. John Ross is a matchup-dependent flyer. That is what he is. He bring He's a wide receiver four who can bring some upside to the table. Next week, if he's healthy and good to go, and we don't know the situation yet, but if he's healthy and good to go, it will be a week where I, go back, I will go back to John Ross. He's still going to be the guy that they go to to make a big play until AJ Green comes back. So there's going to be certain weeks where I think you can play him in the flex and still get a flyer. I'm just not, the reason I'm talking about the Bengals in the future context here is because when we talk about this game, they were thoroughly dominated, but there's not a lot I would take out of this game. Not a lot that worries me or changed my value for any of these guys moving forward. On the Pittsburgh Steelers side of the ball, we have a lot more to dig into. We have a lot more layers that we have to get through. First of all, it was nice to see that James Conner was able to bounce back for his owners and have a good game here. 10 carries, 42 yards, but had The big play was 8 catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown in the passing game, 8 targets. The Steelers came in with the mindset of their entire offense was going to flow through the running backs. So that was good too. I have been screaming from the rooftop for the first 3 weeks that they were... Driving me crazy with the idea that they were going to come in with Mason Rudolph and still run the same offense that they were running, which is going five wide, spreading it out, being a pass-first team. It's like, you simply can't do that. Now, playing against the Cincinnati Bengals is where it gets a little murky because this is a team that's going to make a lot of backfields look good, even if they're not that good. So that's what we have to see. But the play calling in general, they went to the Wildcat formations a lot, which we're going to talk about Jalen Samuels in a minute. They went more power formation. They made the run to open up the pass. Hopefully that continues against other teams, not just when they're playing the Bengals. And I think that'll bode well for not just Connor's value, but for that offense in general to get back on track. But we're going to have to see exactly what happens. Was this just a one-time thing? Hopefully not. I don't know about the Wildcat, but just at least playing power football and mixing up the formations. It was a good sign and a good start for a team that really needed to find a way to mix things up. And in mixing things up, Jalen Samuels was all over the place. Uh, technically, he had three passes. Two of them were little tap passes on a jet sweep when they went in Wildcat. So it wasn't like he was sitting back there, you know, doing halfback passes all the time but it was effective. He was involved. He had a touchdown in this game. He also had 10 carries. Same amount as James Conner. Now, he wasn't nearly as good, 26 yards, but he did get the rushing touchdown in this one, and he had eight catches for 57 yards on eight targets identical to James Conner there, too. So... Is this a sign of things to come? That's where the big question is going to be. Is this suddenly going to be Jalen Samuels and James Conner are going to split time? Because it wasn't a series by series thing. It was one play James Conner would come in, next play Jalen Samuels would come in, then they would play the Wildcat where they would both be out there. There There's quite a few times where they were both on the field. I think having them both on the field is definitely the way to go for this team moving forward. I think they're both pretty good at what they do, and using them as our identity on offense to help open up everything else, I think would be the smart way to go for this team. So, I do think coming out of this game that the plan for them is going to be to try to use Jalen Samuels definitely more. Now, will it be the even 50 50 split that it was in this game? 10 carries a piece, 8 catches a piece. I think James Conner is still the lead man in that backfield, but could it be, instead of it being a 70-30 to or 65-35 split, could it be more of a 55-45 split? Yeah, it might be that moving forward, especially if that's going to be their game plan with Mason Rudolph and this offense uh, changing concepts and changing ideas. We don't, when we have a sudden change like this, we don't exactly know what to expect for sure until we see it a second time. Or the following week. And if we don't see it next week, then he can go back to James Conner's a guy. But going against the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to depend on if Brandon Williams doesn't play next week. And I think that will dictate a lot of what they're able to do. But in this game, they clearly came in with a new idea, new concept of how they wanted to try to run offense and mix things up. I don't know why they would change go away from that after it was so successful. And Mason Rudolph had a really good game as well. Maybe not for fantasy purposes, but 24 of 28... 229 yards, two touchdowns. He was efficient, he was protected, and he was able to play well with them being able to run the offense through the running backs. Now, as far as the receivers go, Deontay Johnson for the second week in a row was the lead receiver for Mason Rudolph. For the third for the second week in a row, also James Washington was a non factor in the game. So you can go ahead and just drop James Washington. I wasn't the guy who was telling you to pick him up, so you're part of MD Nation. You've been listening to this podcast. You wouldn't have picked him up in the first place because I warned you guys, I didn't care about their college rapport. I didn't look at James Washington Is a bust. James Washington is not as good as everyone else tries to make him out to be, and I do think Deontay Johnson is better, and now two weeks in a row, Deontay Johnson has been the one, number one wide receiver. Now, if I'm in a 10-team league, I'm not rushing out to go pick up Deontay Johnson, but I'm in a 12-team league, 14 deeper leagues. He might actually have some flex appeal coming up in these bye weeks with these injuries he's been the lead guy I don't see why it won't continue to be at least part of that discussion it was Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith Schuster when they went to receiver sets James Washington was not out there so I do think he's going to have opportunities to keep producing I do think they have to get Juju Smith-Schuster going, though. He's, he's their best wide receiver, hands down. And this one, again, disappointing. Three catches, 15 yards on four targets. I know a lot of people who are Juju Smith-Schuster owners are probably really panicking if they weren't already before after this game because you're probably holding on hope. All right, you got Cincinnati on Monday night. We'll see if you can get it turned around. And then being that he did not get it turned around in this game and was hardly utilized in a game in which the Pittsburgh Steelers dominated, I know a lot of Schuster people are going to be panicking. He's he's a buy located for me. Look, Schuster is still a very good wide receiver. Now, I didn't believe that he was going to be a superstar like a lot of other people did, but I also don't think he's bad. I also think that they are going to have to put an emphasis at some point to get him going because he is going to be a vital piece of that passing offense, and he's too good to just have him be a non-factor in these games. So I do think there's going to be emphasis on that. I don't love the matchup against Baltimore next week, so I don't know if it starts off next week, but I do think he's somebody that I'm willing to buy low on and expect wide receiver two type of production for the rest of the season, I'm not ready to just bail on Juju Schuster. Now, the idea that he could be a wide receiver one, yeah, that's gone. That That's not going to happen. But he can still be a pretty good wide receiver two for you. And if it doesn't cost you that much, he's somebody I might want to pick up. That pretty much wraps it up for uh, the Steelers analysis here. So I uh, that pretty much wraps it up for the Monday Night Recap, actually. We don't have much else to talk about. I thought I had something else, but nothing else there that we really need to go over just now. So what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to hit the break, come back on the other side with the waiver wire report. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's unwrapsports.com. Now let's go ahead and get into the best part of the show, which is the waiver wire. Because whether you won or lost in week four, you're at the point now where you're ready to move on to the next week. And you have to know exactly what moves you have to make to put yourselves in the best position to make another win out of week five. And that all starts with the waiver wire. All the trades flow through there. All all the depth you get, all the plays, all the spot starts. Especially now that we have a, we're full swing in the bye weeks with four teams on bye this week, and it's just going to increase as we get further and further along. Yeah, waiver wire is more important than ever. And on top of that, not only will I be doing this here, but if you want to check out the video version on Sportscaster later on tonight, I will be on there like I am every Tuesday night with the waiver wire report. So make sure you check me out on there. Very entertaining. You get to see me on a video uh, set. So if you like to watch and enjoy that, you can see this segment on there and I'll talk about a few extra things uh, if you come and join me on the video. So make sure you're checking that out on Sportscaster.com. You can look me up, MDFFshowUSN, that USN represents the Unwrapped Sports Network, which I am a part of, and we are all on Sportscaster really taking over that platform and doing great work. So make sure you check out not just me, but my other peers that have the USN at the end of their names. That's how you can know that they are part of the Unwrapped Sports Network. So make sure you're checking us all out. Now let's get into our actual waiver wire segment. Let's get into Let's get into the meat here. Let's get into the bones. Let's get into what's going to make your team win for week five or moving on in the future because I have some guys on here that might be better as stashes or might be somebody you want to stash. Now, I know what you're thinking. We're going into bye weeks. We're going into weeks where people are hurt. A lot of teams are not going to have the roster capability to stash players, but those who can are the teams that are able to make long-term decisions while everyone else is making a short-term one. While everyone else is trying to make the best decision to win this week and putting it on the line for this week, if you're in a position where you're four and 3 and one, even two and two, and you're confident in your roster, you can and have the roster space, you can make decisions based on the long haul. And that's how you win championships. When you can think down the road and play for down the road, not just for the week that's right in front of you. If you have to, you have to, but hopefully in a position where you can actually take the shot and see if it will pay off later on, and that's where you can get the advantage on people, and that starts off with the first player that we're going to talk about, and that's Jalen Samuels. Look, we saw it last night. He was throwing. He was rushing. He was receiving. He was pretty much the whole offense in a way. Split touches with James Conner almost down the middle last night on both rushing and receiving. And it worked! Now look, it was against Cincinnati Bengals, which is a big reason why it worked. No matter what running back you have, they're going to have a good game against Cincinnati Bengals. That defense is horrendous, especially against the run, but really anything you decide to do. Even Mason Rudolph had a decent game at the end of the day on this one. So you have to keep that in mind. They'll play Baltimore next week. We'll see if Brandon Williams is back and healthy. If he is, it may be a totally different story about what they're able to do on the ground. But if you're a James Conner owner at the very least, you need to own Jalen Samuels. And he's only 19% on average across all platforms owned right now, which means he's widely available in most of your league. So if you're a James Conner owner, you need to own Jalen Samuels because you know that if anything happens to Conner, who does have a history of nagging injuries here and there, Jalen Samuels is going to be the guy. Now, a lot of people want to make the argument that Benny Snell would platoon, and he would as far as spelling him, but I don't think Benny Snell is really that great at football. He doesn't have a skill set that really impresses me in any kind of way, and while Jalen Samuels is a much better pass catcher than he is a rusher, I do think he would probably get at least 60% of the work across the board, and if he's getting at least 60% across the board, he is the guy you want to own. He will be able to start him as a high-end RB3 at the very least, possibly a low-end RB2 if this offense is able to get themselves going, but at least a high-end RB3, making him a valuable flex play. So if you have James Conner, you should own Jalen Samuels. Now, even if you do not have James Conner, if this trend is going to continue where they're going to start utilizing both Conner and Samuels moving forward with Mason Rudolph and try to let the offense flow through them to help him out, well then I'm I'm looking for I'm looking to have Samuels on my team because in PPR formats, if he's going to get that kind of a role that he got in last night's game, He's going to have situations where you can play him at the flex in PPR formats. So if you're in standard leagues and you don't have James Conner, I don't know if I'm rushing out there to go pick up Jalen Samuels. You know, they play Cincinnati one more time this year, but I don't know if I'm going to pick him up just for that game because it's kind of what it would take. Uh, but if you're in half point PPR leagues, you're in full point PPR leagues, he could have flex appeal if he continues to get it. Now, you're not going to know that this week coming up. So, you're not going to play him against Baltimore. You're going to have to see how this thing shakes out. Do they go a second week in a row where they try to get him as involved as they did last night? But if they do, you might have a flex on your hands. So, that's what I'm talking about with a guy that you're making a move that's not necessarily for this week, but down the road and could pay off for you in a big way if you have that kind of depth and that kind of ability to do so. Next guy up we want to talk about is Jameis Winston. 43% owned, so close to that 50-50 mark, but still more available than not across the platforms. He's starting to hit his hot streak. This is when you want to pick up Jameis and just ride him, because it doesn't really matter too much with whose opponents are. When he gets like this, he's going to be hot. He has the weapons to stay hot for a little while now, and you know that when he hits his streak, he usually has a good four to six weeks in him where he can be a QB1 almost week in and week out, depending upon the matchup to some degree. Is like, you know, they go play Jacksonville or something like that. Then no, but that's not coming up on their schedule. Well, at the very least not until week 13 will they play Jacksonville. But that's besides the point right now. You can play James Winston while he's hot. And he should be one of the top quarterbacks that you could pick up off the waiver wire at the moment. So, and you're going into a week where Matthew Stafford, who's been one of the more favorite streaming type of quarterbacks, is on a buy. So, he might have to look his way. Like I said, 43% owned on average. That means he's 57% on average available in your leagues. So go check if you're looking at streaming quarterbacks. Next guy up I want to talk about is Naeem Hines. We don't know the severity as of recording this late Monday night. We don't rec- we don't know the severity of Marlon Mack and his ankle injury. If he were to miss time, Naeem Hines is who I want to pick up. Not Jordan Wilkins. Jordan Wilkins will be the main ball carrier But Jordan Wilkins, one, is not good at football, and that's not just my opinion. That's the Colts' opinion on him, too, because if it wasn't their opinion that he's not that good at football, they wouldn't have tried to bring in everyone under the sun to try out in training camp over the summer to see if they could possibly cut Jordan Wilkins, which was part of the conversation until Spencer Ware got hurt. If Spencer Ware doesn't get hurt, he's on the roster right now instead of Jordan Wilkins. They were ready to move on. And that just didn't wind up being the case. So Jordan Wilkins, while he'll probably be the the main rusher, as of now, if Marlon Mack can't go in Week 5, not something I want to depend on. And they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So at any rate, they're going to have to throw the ball a ton anyway. That's even more so Naeem Hines. Now if Marlon Mack's out, Naeem Hines, was going to get? He's going to get a little bit more work in the rushing, but he's going to be out there a lot more. They're going to have a focus back to Jacoby Brissett on passing game. All I know is I'm, I'm the Colts, you better hope. See why Hilton's able to come back this week. I'm not convinced that he will be able to, and we'll have to keep our eyes on that through the week, through the practice reports and the updates that you'll get on my Twitter feed at MDSFF Show for the update news notifications. But it, they better hope that he can, because otherwise, it could get ugly fast against Kansas City this upcoming week because they're just not going to have the firepower to keep up. I do like naeem Hines in PPR leagues. In fact, I love him in PPR leagues. Maybe even if Marlon Mack can go, because it still might be a Naeem Hines type of of game script against Kansas City Chiefs, regardless of Marlon Mack being able to go or not. But if Mack can't go, then Naeem Hines becomes somebody who I definitely think I can play in the flex this week and get a good performance out of. So something to keep in mind, he's 32% owned on average. So he is mostly available to you guys in your leagues. Go ahead and check him out, especially if you're in half-point and full-point PPR leagues. I would take a look at Naeem Hines this week and just pick him up and be sure until we get official word on Marlon Mack one way or another. Jacoby Brissett is another quarterback that I want to talk about. Look, they're playing against Kansas City. And while it would do him wonders if T.Y. Hilton was able to play... He's still going to have probably a good amount of volume in this game against a bad defense. Now, without T.Y. Hilton, they still have receivers who can get open. They still have guys who can make big plays. He's still have the tight ends that he can go to and lean on. And Kansas City has been pretty bad against the tight ends so far. So he's going to have weapons to at least try to move the ball. And because I expect him to be pretty much coming back from behind throughout this entire week... I would think that he's going to have a good amount of volume. That makes Jacoby Brissett one of my top streaming quarterbacks of the week. He's 34% owned on average, so he's somebody you could go ahead and pick up if you lose out in the Jameis Winston sweepstakes or if you have somebody on by. He's somebody I think you can go ahead and pick up and play against the Kansas City Chiefs this week and expect a good 18 to 20 points out of pretty reasonably and maybe even more if he's able to get guys back like Hilton. Next guy I'm going to talk about is a... I had one a couple weeks ago where I talked about a defense. I said I wasn't going to talk about a defense very often. And the one position that I will talk about even less than a defense is a kicker. I do have a kicker on my list this week. And that's Joey Sly of the the Carolina Panthers. Look, I don't know if Graham Gano ever comes back at this point. Because they're in a situation now where they have this kid who is the number one kicker for fantasy football, but has been great so far this year. They're not missing Graham Gano at all, and he Joey Sly is cheaper than Graham Gano. So while Gano has been on the Panthers for forever and is basically royalty to the team at this point, he's still a kicker at the end of the day. He's somebody you can move on from, especially if you have somebody that you're very confident and comfortable with, which they do. And. Like I said, he is the number one kicker for fantasy football right now. You should be picking up Joey Sly. And I was kind of surprised to see that he's only 33% owned on average. So that's why I put him in the waiver wire list. I'm like, look, point getting points everywhere matters. Getting Maximizing your points from every single position matters, especially when it comes to defensive kicker. Because those are things that get so overlooked by a lot of people who play fantasy football that if you have a defense, you have a kicker in your lineups, Getting points out of them, getting unexpected high amount of points out of them, can be the difference between taking your team to being a good team to being a great team because you're getting points out of positions that no one else is. That includes the kicker position. Pick up Joey Sly. So that's all I'm going to do with him. That's probably gonna be the first and last time I talk about a kicker on the waiver wire report. But it was surprising to me to see that he was so widely available, being that he's been the number one kicker through the first month of football. Raheem Mostert is 30% owned. Now, we don't know exactly as of recording this. Again, I'm recording this late Monday night so this guy is, this can get out to you guys by Tuesday. We don't know as recording this exactly what the status of Tevin Coleman is going to be. Now, we do know going into last week that the emphasis was on him trying to make an effort to practice to hopefully come back after the buy, but there was no guarantees. So, Raheem Moser is a guy that you keep your eyes and ears peeled on Tevin Coleman. Now, maybe... You don't use a priority on him. In fact, I would say definitely. You don't use fad budget on him in this situation. And I'm going to go over fad budget with all these guys at the end. But he's somebody who, after the priorities and the waivers and all that clear, that when we get into Wednesday and Thursday and we start to see what the practice status of Tevin Coleman is, Raheem Mostert still has flex appeal High, it's a high floor, not a high ceiling, but high floor flex appeal if Tevin Coleman can't go because of his role in the offense. So at 30% owned, he's somebody just to keep in mind. This next guy I want to talk about is going to finally have a lot of people excited. Kiki Kute, 28% owned. Kenny Stills pulled up with a hamstring issue last week. He's probably going to be out at least this week, maybe for a couple of weeks. That means Kute's going to get an opportunity to get his third slot receiver job back. We'll see what he's able to do with it. Now, when it comes to Kute and his talent, he was always a guy that I only had interest in in PPR leagues. That hasn't changed. I expect the Houston Texans offense to get back on track. It may come as soon as the game this week against Atlanta, where you start to see them start to score points in the clip that they should. They went through this last year where they went through a slump kind of early on. They weren't able to get going, and then all of a sudden they snapped out of it. Sean Watson goes back and winds up being the third quarterback for fantasy football purposes overall and the offense as a whole snap back to it. They went through this before, so I have faith that they're going to be able to get back to where you want them to go again sometime soon. With Kiki Kute out there, it could it could be a big thing. Why? It could be a chain mover for them. I like I said, I don't like him in standard leagues. And even in half point PPR leagues, I think he's just nothing more than a wide receiver four that you have to play in a spot start. But in full point PPR leagues, I do think he's somebody that you can pick up and be able to play at some point. That's all I have to say. At some point, you're going to be able to pick him up and play. So especially if Kenny Stills is going to miss time with the hamstring issue, which I think he will. So I don't know if you can pick him up and play him with any confidence against Atlanta this week, but I would pick him up. Counting on Stills to be out for probably a couple weeks because it looked like a pretty significant pull, especially just, just the way he came up after that catch yesterday. We still like I said, we still don't have any details as far as the severity goes. We'll get that as we go. But I do think he's somebody who's going to prove valuable in PPR leagues, especially as the Houston offense gets going again. Next guy I want to talk about kind of in the same vein, Geronimo Allison. Now he is somebody who you might want to play this week. Packers play the Cowboys. It's not a fantastic matchup, but there's not an expectation for Devontae Adams to play. That means it's going to be Marquez Valdez scaling. It's going to be Geronimo Allison. That's who they're going to lean on. And I think of those two, as far as being a chain mover goes and a red zone threat, that's going to be Jeronimo Allison. Look, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I like him. He's good. He's developing. I think he's another year away before being able to take his next leap up. And then he'll be really scary and good and exciting to watch, I think, next season along with Devontae Adams. But for right now, I think with no Devontae Adams in a tough matchup against Dallas, you're going to have to go with dependable and dependable should be Jeronimo Allison. He's going to be good in the red zone. You're going to use him as a, a chain mover. I really think he's going to have a high-floor game, especially in PPR formats, but a high-floor game that you can play him in the flex as a higher-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three, who has extra volume to add to his potential, to add to his ceiling, a touchdown is a real possibility in this one with no Devontae Adams in there. Rogers is going to have to go somewhere with the ball. He has thrown to Allison in the red zone already this season when given those opportunities. So Allison, to me, who's only 27% owned, is somebody you might be able to pick up and play this week if you're looking for a third receiver or a flex spot. Next guy I want to talk about is Alexander Madison. I left him off the waiver wire report last week after I said that I was going to keep him on there every single week until his... Uh, ownership went up, especially by Dalvin Cook owners. It's only gone up by 2% since then. He's still only 24% owned. I don't know what he has to do when he's given his opportunities in that Minnesota offense to show that he's somebody who has to be owned by all Dalvin Cook owners. Now, I put him back on the waiver wire report this week because that's not the only reason why you should pick him up this week. This is the one week where if you're desperate because of injury, because of bye weeks, Alexander Madison is someone who I think could actually have flex appeal this week against the Giants. We don't know exactly what Minnesota is going to do here. We know that they have to get that passing game going, but... The data that we have on Minnesota so far this season is that when they are given the opportunity to run the ball and play defense and win the game that way and not even utilize their passing game, they have taken advantage of that opportunity. That's what they have done. And against the Giants, I know they look more competitive. I know they beat Tampa Bay. I know they just dominate the Redskins. There's a long cry between the Buccaneers, the Redskins, and then the Minnesota Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings are coming off of a tough loss against Chicago, where they didn't look very good. I think the Giants are about to run into a buzzsaw with Minnesota. And a big part of that's going to be, Dalvin Cook's going to run crazy, but... Dalvin Cook can only carry the ball so many times. I think Minnesota's gonna get up big. I think there's a good chance Alexander Madison is the guy in the fourth quarter. And I do think even when he gets opportunities throughout the game to spell Dalvin Cook, he's gonna have opportunities to produce. Remember, a couple, it was just a couple weeks ago, he went for 56 yards and a touchdown. I think him getting into the end zone is something that's a real possibility, which is why I'm saying he could be a flex play this week. Now, obviously, he's a more of a desperation flex play. He's, a, you know, if you have killer bye weeks or you have, you have an injury right now and you're just looking for somebody serviceable, I think he's going to be somebody who can be serviceable for you. So it's not just being a Dalvin Cook handcuff this week. It's a possible flex play appeal this week too. Next guy I want to talk about is Preston Williams. He's only 9% owned. And the reason I want to talk about him is because somebody on this Dolphins team is going to be fantasy relevant at some point this season. We saw the first signs of life out of their offenses past week. It wasn't much. It was only one touchdown. And that one touchdown went to Devontae Parker. But since Josh Rosen has taken over, and even the one week before that, Preston Williams has been the receiver getting the most targets in this team. Now, Albert Wilson may be back sometime in the next couple of weeks. I don't think Albert Wilson is going to take a ton away from Preston Williams or Devontae Parker, quite frankly. And Preston Williams has been impressive. He's gotten the extra opportunities. So there's a situation where he has a higher floor than Devontae Parker. Look, Parker got the touchdown, but it was on a blown coverage. There was nobody around. That's why he scored the touchdown. So if it wasn't for that... Preston Williams would have had, once again, the better day. Now, obviously, this is somebody who I'm talking about picking up because he's a wide receiver five, high-end wide receiver five, more of a wide receiver four, that you would only play if you have to because of the bye weeks, because of injuries, but that's why I'm talking about him because we are in those situations now. And if you're looking for somebody who just, I need a receiver off the waiver wire, I'm in deeper leagues where I, there's just nothing to be had. Just give me somebody who I at least know is going to be targeted and at least have an opportunity to give me something. That's Preston Williams. That so, I, so I'm not going crazy. I'm not wasting a priority. I'm letting waivers clear. I'm not spending bad budget on him. But he is somebody who I'm going to pick up in that situation because you know he's at least going to get targets. He has every single week so far, and except for week one, has out-targeted Devontae Parker so far this season. So that's why I wanted to add him in on there. The last two guys I want to talk about are more honorable mentions. They're not really part of my guys that I want you to go ahead and pick up, or they're not really part of the waiver wire requirements. Which So explaining that is Golden Tate. Golden Tate here, 51% owned. So he, he doesn't quite meet the less than 50% threshold that... I go off of for the waiver wire report. But the reason I want to honorably mention him is because it's close. It's only 51%. He's coming off the suspension this week. So if on average, 49% of the leagues out there, he's available. He's somebody to pick up, especially in PPR leagues. We got to see how this whole situation is going to shake out with Daniel Jones and the giants, but you figure more times than not, they're going to be in situations that they're going to have to come back from behind, especially with no Saquon Barkley. They're probably going to have to lean on the pass, maybe more than they want to, but the volume is going to be there. So if you're sitting in a half-point or full-point PPR league, I'm looking at Golden Tate. Now, if I'm in the standard league, unless I need, a, I need a guy who, just to be serviceable, just has a high floor maybe due to volume, I, I'm not so keen on him in standard leagues because the opportunities of him scoring touchdowns, the opportunities of him going over 100 yards are just not as good. But in PPR, half point PPR leagues, yeah, I think he's going to be the slot receiver. I think Daniel Jones is going to find a comfortable target to help try to move the chains. And like I said, I think there's going to be volume there, especially in garbage time, for him and Shepard at times. They're not going to be high end plays, but they're going to be high floor plays week in and week out. So he's somebody to look at if he is, you know, if he's going to be available to you. The other guy I want to talk about is Chris Herndon. And for the other reasons, a lot of people around the fantasy industry are going to have Chris Herndon in their waiver wire reports this week or talk about him as a a must-pickup at the tight end position. I want to mention him because he is not somebody who I'm targeting in any format, in any scoring format, and if you're part of MD Nation, I'm just warning you now, he's not somebody you should be going after. I talked about this in the offseason. Even before he was suspended, Chris Herndon was one of my top busts not just at the tight end position but on my top busts as a player heading into this season he was getting a lot of hype a lot of people like him first of all for a couple of reasons first off I don't think he's nearly as talented as people try to make him out to be he's a decent athlete I don't think he's fine-tuned as a tight end and I think the fact that he's been out for the last four weeks he really needed all the practice he can get to try to get up to that point I don't think he's there yet second reason Adam Gase doesn't do well with tight ends doesn't, period. They're not part of the game plan. They're not what do he wants to do. He wants that ball over the intermediate and short part of the field to go to the slot receiver. He's not looking for it to go to the tight end. So I don't know why people think he's suddenly gonna get amplified or have all these opportunities. He's not in a favorable situation. So don't go pick up Chris Herndon. Let someone else make that mistake. Let someone else spend fab and lose a priority on a tight end that they think could be a, a tight a surprise tight end one to help turn our season around. Leave it alone. Chris Herndon is not going to do a damn thing this season. So I'm not worried about it at all. So I just wanted to put that out there. I wanted to mention him because I know a lot of people are going to be talking about him all week long. And I don't want the listeners of this show making that mistake. Let someone else make that mistake. Believe me. And even if he does have a decent rest of the way, you're not going to miss him. There's going to be other options you're going to be able to go to. And make sure you're coming back here. And I will lead you the way to find those options that I think are going to have much higher ceilings than Chris Herndon in a Adam Gase led offense. That's going to wrap up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. It was a great Tuesday edition. Remember, we're back on Thursday with the week five preview part one where we talk about the Thursday night football game. We're going we'll to talk about all of the one o'clock games, analyze that, give you all the injury update reports so you know what to do there. You know what guys are looking healthy or looking like they may not play early on in the season. Make sure you're following me on Twitter for that too at MDSFFShow. Make sure you're following me on Facebook at MDFFShow and on the website www mdffshow.com is all the rankings for week five will be updated on there uh, on th- by Thursday afternoon for you, so you can go ahead and look at what the expectations should be for your players based off of those rankings, so make sure you're utilizing that and checking that out. Uh, make sure you're checking out one of my networks, O'Belly Up Sports Network, Overtime Heroics Network, Unwrap Sports Network, which is part of the Sportscaster program that I will be on later tonight with the Waiver Wire wow Report video that you'll be able to go check out later on tonight. Make sure you check out any of them. All my peers in those networks are doing great work, great sources of information that you can utilize for yourselves. And make sure you listen to this podcast on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you go to for your podcast apps. We are widely available to you. And Wherever you do listen to us, you can really help out the show in a big way. If you subscribe and leave a comment, leave a rating, if they allow you to do so, it really helps boost the show, boost the recognition to help us be able to even more inform you give you even better shows, more entertaining, more information, more everything. That's what it allows us to do by the more exposure that we get. So if you want to help out the show, that's the best way that you can help us out. And I really, really appreciate it from MD Nation, you guys. All right, we're going to close it down. I hope you guys have a lovely day, and I will see you on Thursday.
0: Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.